Masechet Bava Kama Daf Non Tet. We saw a long beraita about different ways of evaluating damage caused by an animal, uh, depending on whether it's uh, a tree, uh, something ripe, unripe. And one of the issues was here, Rabbi Oseh Galili, um, regarding Akhla Chaziz, if an animal goes and eats some, some blades of grain, um, and uh, eventually they're going to grow more, and now it ate, it, it, ate, it ate some of them up. So how do we evaluate that damage? There's two opinions. The Biosegalili says, Nidon Shirbo, we look at what remains of it, and we estimate how much it would have grown, right? We can compare it to uh, that which is eaten to that which is not eaten, and we see that, let's say it ate uh, some of these blades, and well, right now, if you would evaluate it, it'll be only cost a dollar, but eventually it's going to ripen and grow and be $10. So then he says, you look at what it's going to be. So this is basically a future value of the potential, um, even though right now it didn't grow all the way, but we look, we estimate how much it will grow, and we take the final future value. That's what Hachamim say, no, we um, estimate the entire field. How much was it worth before this damage, and how much after the damage? Obviously, before the damage, you can say, oh, look at these nice things that are growing, this grain, right? It's growing well, it's going to grow more, so that is worth more then, than after the damage, it's worth less. Um, but that would be just a, a different evaluation. Uh, more likely to be a Segaladi's evaluation is going to be more uh, because you're going straight to the end and saying it's going to be worth $10 and you're evaluating each thing by itself. Uh, whereas Chachamim would be a lesser evaluation because this is a, a smaller ratio. Um, we take this little bit and among the whole field. Anyway, that's one point of Machloket. A few more points of Machloket over here that we'll come to in a minute. Um, but here we're going to go back to this, and here's Amar Abayed that says when an animal uh, damages something that was not yet ripe, we evaluate it based on the future value. Um, you know who else said that? Well, let's see where they say that. Is that we just saw in the Brayta above. There's a Brayta we're familiar with from some of the Pima go, um, when an animal causes damage and he says you have to pay from the best of the field. Whose field are we talking about? Um, the the, uh, the Bishmael says it's the best field of the Nizak, of the one who's damaged, who, who received the damage, the victim, and the best of his uh, um, uh, vineyard. Um, we look at his best, and that's how much the mazik has to pay. However, Rebbe says, no, it's the best of the mazik. Um, and the pasuk only came to say that the mazik has to pay from the best of the land that he has. That's true if he damages another person, and all the more so if he damages something that's hikdesh, that's even uh, holy, holier. Certainly when he pays back, he'll have to pay back from the best land that he has. But Rabbi Akiva says the mazik. Now within Rabbi Ishmael, we have... Uh, a couple of interpretations. We're not going to interpret Rabbi Ishmael as, uh, to be in accordance with Rav Idi Bar Avin. His, 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 his explanation of Rabbi Ishmael that we're going to reject. 
כגון שאכלה ערוגה בין הערוגות, ולא ידינן אי כחושה הוואי איש שמנה הוואי, דאמר קום שלים שמנה ומתיו דאיקה השתא, דהכי לא אמרינן. רבי די בר אבין, in his interpretation of Ishmael said, uh, what does it mean that we go by the, the best of the nizak? It would be in a case where uh, my animal goes and uh, eats one garden bed of many garden beds. But the, each garden bed is of a different quality. And I don't know if the one that ate was uh, weak or strong, right? I mean, there's uh, have a whole bunch of tomatoes. Some of them, garden beds, have nice, big, fat, uh, juicy tomatoes. And some are lean, scrawny tomatoes. Now here, it went to one garden bed, ate all the tomatoes. I don't know which one it was. Right, were they the expensive ones or the cheap ones? Were they the ten dollar ones or the five dollar ones? So we say we go to the metav, to the best of the nizak, and we assume that the one that was in was what were, were the best ones. And you have to pay ten dollars because we don't know which one it is. That is what Rav Ed said. But we do not accept that interpretation. Because someone who wants to extract money has to prove that Nizak wants to extract a higher amount. Let him prove that in this place, and that in this uh, garden bed that was eaten, had high quality, the $10 ones. If he can't prove that, and he wants to extract money, then all he can do is get paid from the lower one. So this interpretation doesn't make sense. Uh, Rather, we're talking about a case like the Rebeo Segeledi case where the animal comes and eats something that is not quite ripe uh, yet. And uh, we say, well, how much should he pay? Oh, we're going to look at the best that it will be, right? Be, be the best that you can be. Uh, and right now, it's just a, um, it's an unripe tomato or grape, or whatever. Uh, we're going to look at the, the best, and we can look at, you know, to the ones next to it that it didn't eat and see what's the best that they're going to be. And so we can estimate how much this one would have sprouted eventually. And then that we, we, um, we make, we do the evaluation based on the future value. Um, so what do we see? That this is the, the proper interpretation of Rabbi Ishmael, and it's the same principle as Rabbi Yosei Both of them are saying that if an animal comes and eats something that is unripe, the payment method, of uh, the evaluation method is, we can figure out, well, this unripe is worth $2, but if it, this thing would ripen uh, successfully, then it would be $10. You have to pay the $10. Okay, good. So that's what they have in common. Well, let's examine another section of the Braita uh, on a similar subject. Amar Mor, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda Omer Mishum Rabbi Shimon, Bamed b'memorim shachla lulbe gefani v'yichure te'enim. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says the name of Rabbi Shimon. When is that said? Let's look at the Braita to see what we're talking about. It's right here. So this is going on the opinion of Rabbi uh, Yoshua here about Semadar. Okay, Semadar means grapes when they're just budding. And so they're not even unripe grapes. They're not even grapes at all yet, but the buds are there. And so we know that they're going to come to fruition and things are going to be good. Now, how do we, uh, the animal comes and destroys the buds. 
How should we evaluate that that uh, payment? So already before Rabbi Shimon, we have two opinions. Rabbi Yoshua says, um, we see as if they were ready to be picked. We can evaluate this thing right now as a bud is only worth 50 cents. But if you just wait a few weeks until it's fully nice and ripe, it's going to be worth $10. So therefore, right now, you have to pay $10. That's Rabbi Yoshua going with the future evaluation, the same as the uh, opinions that we just saw uh, a few minutes ago. Um, uh, however, Chachamim say, no, we see how much the whole field was worth and how much it will be worth, the whole vineyard. So this is, we take the um, evaluation of the change of the value of the whole field, which will probably be, be a smaller number. Okay, so that we already have a machloket between Rabbi Yoshua and Chachamim. And then Rabbi Shimon, uh, we'll just call him Rabbi Shimon, um, says, when is that true? When do we make such an evaluation only if it, uh, of the whole field, only if it ate uh, the young branches of vines or shoots of fig trees. So these are also still young. We do a whole field evaluation. Now, if we stop here and we say, well, what would uh, the Bishimon say about Semadar? It sounds like he was saying Semadar is not so. Semadar is not included in these uh, two categories of Gifanim, gifanim and Te'enim, right? Lulbet Gifanim is shoots of fig trees, but it talks to some adat of budding, that's not included in this, so it sounds like budding, he would agree with Rabbi Yehoshua, if we had, if we stopped there. Okay, fine, that, I mean, there's no problem, he can agree with Rabbi Yehoshua. The problem is, the continuation of the Bishimon statement, aval achla pagim oboser, navim doni baser, if he, if he, if the animal eats unripe grapes or unripe figs or unripe grapes, then we evaluate based on the future value um, when they would eventually ripen. And so this does mention pagim and boser, which are already a small grape there, um, but that also is not the same as semadar, which is a budding stage even before that. So if we had only this statement, then we would say, oh, pagim and boser, you, you use the future value, but for semadar, you would use the whole uh, field uh, evaluation. So you see that the Bishimon, the problem is, that he does give two categories, but Samadad is not in any one of them. And so, if we had only one category, we'd assume Samadad is this way. If we had the second statement, we have Samadad is that way. And therefore, the Bishimon's uh, long statement ends up being self-contradictory because the Samadad falls through the cracks here, and we don't know where to put it. So this is that's the question. Let's continue to read the question so we could see it inside. Um, so here, so far, the Bishimon said um, about uh, right. When do we say you do a whole field evaluation? When we're talking about the branches of vines or shoots of trees? But if I had only that hasemadad, I would assume that the uh, buds of the grapes, you would do a future valuation if I had only the first half of the statement. But the continuation of Rabbi Shimon's statement, uh, the rest of the statement talks about the unripe figs and unripe grapes. And there, Rabbi Shimon says, we do the future valuation of how much they will be worth when they're ripe. Now, since he doesn't include the buds in this case, in this category, it sounds like, just from this statement, that buds would not be based on future evaluation, but rather 
based on the whole field, the difference between the whole field now and before. Uh, so now we have a self-contradiction. Here's how we solve it. You know what? Put all the statements together like a sandwich and actually you could link them just fine. As follows. He says, when would I agree with Chachamim that you do the full um, whole field change in value? That's if it's talking about the young vines and young fig trees. But if it ate, and here, so what he's basically doing is adding in semadar to the pagin and bosed. Although in the original Braita, it only says pagin and bosed, semadar is the same thing, is together with it. Um, it's uh, bud, bud, budding grapes or unripe grapes. Those are the same thing. And in all those cases, we um, evaluate based on the future. Okay, so now we solve the problem of the self-contradiction of Rabbi Shimon. But then we have a new, a new question. Now Rabbi Shimon, who says for Semadar, we do the future evaluation. Well, that's what Rabbi Yoshua also said in the Braita, that we do a future evaluation. Why would you have two minority opinions in the same Braita saying the same thing, right? Just uh, put them together. Oh, there is a difference between them, whether or not you take into account the weakening of the vine. Here's how it works. When um, uh, you have a vine that's growing grapes, so that's very good. You get the value of the grapes, but it does take a toll on the, on the vine itself. However, if you cut the buds, um, and, uh, then the vine doesn't have to use all that energy to create the grapes, and it actually makes the vines stronger. Um, that's why um, even uh, you always do some pruning. You take off the, some of the bad ones that you don't need. Um, that way, the, the vines don't have to put energy into that, and it could put more energy into the other grapes that you know are going to be more successful. Um, so, the question is, the animal came and he ate these, uh, he ate these, these uh, uh, buds. Um, now, both will agree, Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Shimon will both agree that you have to pay for the future valuation. Let's say the buds right now, if you had to buy a bud, how much would it be worth? Two dollars. Um, but if you wait till it's fully ripened, then the, it would be worth ten dollars. Okay, so they both agree that the owner of the animal has to pay ten dollars right in principle the question is wait a second by the animal eating the bud is true he took away potential uh, gain of ten dollars right that now there's not going to be and you would have had grapes worth ten dollars now you're going to have zero because it ate it on the other hand by removing the bud, it's going to strengthen the, uh, the, the, the vine. And otherwise, the vine would have been weakened. So really, the total value that it's the damage is a little bit less than 10. We could say it's $9, right? If we say that the, um, the, you know, how much would you pay to have a stronger vine um, for, next, for the next crop? Well, maybe that's worth a dollar. And so one of these opinions, we don't know which one is which. We'll see in a minute. We're going to end up saying it's Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says that you take into account the, the weakening that the vine would have had, um, and now it won't have. Now it actually will be stronger. That is worth a dollar, so you only have to pay nine. Where Rabbi Yeshua says, no, you don't take That's going to happen next year, uh, next season, and we don't take that into account now. 
And so you have to pay the full ten dollars. Okay, good. Now we're going to figure out which one is which. I know which one is which. Who is the one that says we do take into account the weakening of the vine, and he doesn't have to pay for that amount that it would have been weakened? Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda. He. It's in fact Rabbi Shimon de Tanya. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya. Ones. Interesting comparison. Uh, the uh, a rapist uh, who rapes a betula does not have to pay for her pain, the pain that she feels of him breaking her hymen. Why not? That's it's very painful. How much is that pain worth? I don't know, $1,000, let's say. So the rapist can come and say, listen, I know, it's true, I caused you this pain, but you would have felt that pain anyway when eventually you got married, and your husband would have broken your bitulim, and you would have felt the pain no matter what. So therefore, why should I have to pay you if now I'm saving you that pain? Eventually, when you get married, you won't have to have that pain, and you, but you would have had it otherwise. So um, this is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. What's the similarity? The point is that Rabbi Shimon takes into account the future situation. Um, just like here, the rapist can claim, oh, you would have felt this pain eventually anyway, so therefore I'm deducting it from the amount that I have to pay you. So too, the owner of the animal says, um, although I, I made you lose a $10 grape, but... I saved you the uh, weakening of the uh, of the of the vines, and so that although you won't won't only you will only see that in the next season, uh, nevertheless um, I can deduct it now. And so you see, the Bishimon uh, must be that the, that opinion. Now it happens to be in this Baraita, not uh, the Amru law, the other Chachamim. Disagree with Rabbi Shimon, and they say you can't compare uh, someone who has intercourse willingly versus by force. Um, you know, pain is also has has an objective uh, part, but also a subjective part. As someone feels pain, um, and 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 it's being caused by a violent person, un, and you're unwilling to receive that pain, so the pain is felt much more than when uh, a chatan and kala are in a nice loving relationship and. And they willingly go into it and okay yes it's still painful but the psychological part of the pain is much much reduced reduced um, and therefore you can't compare the two uh, so according to Chachamim um, she she says she or her father right can say back to the rapist yeah you caused her this this uh, pain of breaking her hymen but you did it in this in this um, a violent way, unwilling, and that pain is much greater, and therefore you do have to pay, and just because she would have felt some pain, but it would have been a lesser uh, amount and different type of pain in the future. Okay, so now we know um, who the identity is of the person that says we take into account the weakening of the vine. Amar Abaye, hai rabbi shim'on ben Yehuda amru davar acher, uh, so Abaye also wants to make a, a, a comparison. I think the Amoraim like taking different statements of Tanaim and showing how, look, even though they're saying uh, they're from different sources, they're really saying the same thing. And so Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda and these Hane Tanae say the same thing. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda is what we just said, who said that you take into account a future uh, gain or a future uh, savings. 
you take that into account now and the damager doesn't have to pay that that amount right we saw that in the in these two past two cases and there's also the following tanaim what did they say the tanya uh, okay, the are these two Tanaim, Rabbi Yose and Ben Azai. What are they talking about? In the case where a man um, harms a pregnant woman and causes her a miscarriage, right? The two men fighting. And so he has to pay to the father of the offspring the amount of the um, of the loss of that uh, of that offspring okay so let's say you have a guy he causes this damage to this woman and how much is the offspring uh, uh, evaluated at I don't know we'll say ten thousand dollars okay he has to pay ten thousand um, dollars that would be the majority opinion however the BOSS says hold on yes the damage is the, the loss is ten thousand dollars but the father also has savings he doesn't have to pay for a midwife paying for a midwife let's say that's a thousand dollars so it's true he lost his he lost these uh, future kids but he doesn't have to pay a midwife so now the therefore uh, the um, the fighter guy can say I'm not paying that amount and he only has to pay nine thousand dollars Ben Azai says oh wait also take into account the food the pregnant a pregnant woman eats more food than a non-pregnant woman she's always asking for pickles ice cream in the middle of the night you have to go out and get it um, and so think of all the food savings um, that you have right depending on how much she eats and how low how far along she is maybe that's also a thousand dollars so Benazai says no you don't have to pay a full amount take off a thousand dollars for the food savings. Now, is there a machloket here? The one that says you take off the value of the midwife would certainly agree with Ben Azai that you take off the money. So, according to that, the um, the guy fighting would, uh, even though he caused the damage of ten thousand dollars, within that there's also savings of two thousand dollars. So he only has to pay eight thousand. However, but the one who says that you take off the money, uh, the the uh, the money for the food, that's Ben Azai. He would disagree with Rabbi Yoseh and says, no, you can't remove the amount of the midwife because. The husband can say, uh, the husband of the pregnant woman can say, my wife, she's expert at, at giving birth. She doesn't need a midwife. All right? I wasn't going to hire a midwife, so you have to pay me that amount anyway. Um, and so according to the Biyose, you can only take off $1,000. According to Ben Azai, you can take off $2,000. Point is that these, these two sages have in common with Rabbi Shimon that when you're paying damages, you also can deduct from the damages any uh, future savings that you will have um, uh, because of the damages. They had a certain case come before them of an evaluation and they made their evaluation as Rav Nachman did with, with uh, 60. This is on the previous stuff um, when you had uh, someone came and they cut down the tree. Um, and so uh, the case came before the um, exilarch and he evaluated the tree directly. He said, oh, there were three trees here. They are worth 100. You knock down one. You have to pay 33 and a third. And Rav Nachman says, no, we make the evaluation based on a ratio with a much bigger uh, 60 times of the area. Right. We take this plot of land and we uh, where the trees are 60 times it and we say how much is the total value with the before the damage and after the damage and that will end up being a lot less so that papa the followed 
the opinion of Rav Nachman in one case. There's another version of this story that where Rav Papa Rav Yoshua Shamu Dikla Agav Ketina In this version, they appraised a date palm that was damaged relative to the patch of land where it was. Here also, they don't um, they didn't do the date palm itself, they didn't say how much is this particular tree worth, um, but they used a smaller uh, amount of land for the evaluation. Instead of 60 times the land, they took that patch of land around the tree and they said how much was it worth before and how uh, the damage and how much is it worth after the damage. Okay, this will likely be um, a greater amount than the one before, but what they have in common, these two versions, is that neither of them are looking at the tree itself, but rather evaluating based on a chain and the value of the land around it, just the question of how much land around it they are taking into account. But the bottom line is, Halacha will follow Rav Papa, and uh, who follows Rav Nachman, when you're talking about an Aramean date palm, meaning just a regular run-of-the-mill date palm that you find all over. So then you do a general evaluation of the land before and after. How much land you include, that's different versions of it, but the point is, it's just a basic tree, and these kinds of trees are not sold individually. Rather, you sell a whole patch of land with the trees, and so that makes sense to evaluate it that way. But the halacha follows Resh Galuta, if you're talking about Persian date palms, these are very high quality, very important, expensive uh, date palms, and these are not sold by the whole land, but rather they're sold individually. Therefore, if the animal comes and does damage to this one particular uh, tree, then you're going to have to, then we do an evaluation like the Resh Galuta did, and we say how much is this particular tree worth, and you have to pay that higher amount. We now have a fantastic and entertaining story that relates to this halacha. Eliezer Ze'ira, a man named Eliezer the Small, Hava Sayim Mesane Ukame Vekae Bishuka de Nahar De'a. Ashkehu de Beresh Galuta ve Amerule, Maishanane Mesane, Amarlehu de Kame Abilna Ayrushalayim. This Eliezer was wearing black shoes. Now, as you can see, from this fresco. This is a wall painting that was found in Pompeii. And you see some Romans here, important people, are uh, wearing black shoes. So wearing black shoes was was the norm. Uh, but there were small differences between the types of shoes that Jews wore and non-Jews. And also, um, when someone was in mourning, uh, then they wore them in a bit different way. Uh, one, in, one interpretation is that normally they would be glossy black, Midi says. Uh, but when one was in mourning, then they would wear matte black or different color laces. Okay, so anyway, uh, this Eli Ezer uh, he was wearing some uh, matte black shoes in the public in the marketplace of Nehar De'ah. The Resh Galuta, the head of the whole community, the whole all the Jews in Bavel, saw him and said, what is this? Why are you wearing these shoes? Well, you were in mourning, right? Who died? And he said, Eliezer said, I'm mourning over Jerusalem. That's why. So I'm always wearing them because I'm always mourning over Jerusalem. Amrule, at chashibat le'it abule a'irushalayim 
So the, the Reshka Luta and his people said, What are you so important that you can mourn over Jerusalem? They accused him of being presumptuous, of uh, um, acting above his uh, righteousness level, and they took him and put him in jail. Now, what would be wrong with uh, mourning over Jerusalem uh, being, you know, extra uh, caring, extra in mourning? Um, this reminds me of the uh, joke uh, where you have on Yom Kippur, the rabbi, he falls on the floor, bows, and says, Hashem, I am before you like a worm. And then the chazan sees him do that. So the chazan also bows and falls on the floor and says, uh, I am but, uh, but uh, ashes before you, God. And then some just regular congregant, right, Mr. Friedman, he sees them and he also goes right to the front and he falls on his face and says, God, I'm, I am before you, but dust, uh, like, like dust. And then the rabbi turns to the chazan and says, oh, look at that, look who, look, who, look who he thinks he's dust now. Okay, in other words, um, if you're going to go and, and break away from the rest of the people, we're not talking about Tisha B'Av where everybody is in mourning, but a regular day someone is you know, in particular breaking, at, breaking away and, and being in particular mourning, that would be fitting for an important leader of the congregation who is responsible for the whole community, for the Jewish world, and he sees some terrible thing happening or remembers something that happened in the past and says, I'm going to take upon myself the tragedy and the mourning for the whole, uh, for the whole community. Um, when it doesn't rain, for a while, first the elders, only the elders fast and pray um, because they're representative. So the idea here is that if you're going to be um, uh, doing this extra mourning, not, not what everybody's doing, not at Tisha B'Av, you're going out of your way, uh, then Deshkeluta uh, says, oh, look who thinks he's uh, dust and ashes now. Well, you think you're so important that you are doing extra mourning more than everybody else? So he didn't like that. Amar lehu, Gabrada Ba'ana, Ba'eliezer defended himself, says, I am a great man, I'm a great scholar, and I am worthy to publicly mourn over Yerushalayim. So they said, well, we'll test you out. How do we know you're a great man? Well, we never, we don't know your reputation. So Eliezer says, test me. Right, let's see. Either you ask me a halacha or I'll ask you a halacha. This is how you know someone's great. Either he can answer any question or he can ask a question that the audience, uh, other rabbis, does, don't know the answer to. So he says, what do you want? Either way, you ask me, I'll ask you. So the other rabbi said, okay, you ask a question, I, I bet we'll have an answer. You don't know any good questions. So Zaira Eliezer Zaira says, Someone comes and cuts some flowers uh, at, at the stem of a date palm, uh, right? It is date palm growing, and he cuts the buds, he cuts the flowers, and now they're not going to grow any dates. How much does he have to pay? How do we evaluate that? So the other people there, they answered and said, you pay for the, uh, the, the uh, amount of the stem, meaning a small amount, just, you know, the, the stem, what was there, some flowers and buds, I don't know, $1, so you pay that. So Eliezer answers, no, but they were, they were going to grow into, into dates, and now he's losing out on the dates. 
So they said, okay, fine, we'll change our answer. Fine, he has to pay for the amount of the future dates. Once they grow, what would they have been worth? $10. Okay, so he pays $10. Eliezer said, that's no good either. says, yeah, but the person didn't take away dates from him. He didn't damage dates. There were no dates there. How could he pay dates? In other words, whatever these uh, the Exilarch people would have said, uh, Eliezer would have uh, would have rejected them, cut them cut cut them down, so to speak, one way or the other. So he stumped them, literally stumped them. So finally they said, "Okay, you tell us the answer if you're so smart." We evaluate based on the surrounding land, and as if it were sixty times that land, and we say, "How much would sixty times of the land with this uh, date palms in it be worth before?" the damage and after the damage that's how we evaluate it well how do we know you're right who says like you we never heard this so Eliezer says Shemuel the great Amora he's alive his betin is right is there go ask them so they asked the question of Shemuel and he sent them back yes Zidi was correct that you should count it based on an evaluation of 60 times and they left him alone uh, they uh, let him get out of jail and he could go back to wearing his matte black shoes and mourning over Yerushalayim. So you never know when these halachot will come in handy. Uh, in case you ever get jailed, um, you might use this to get out of uh, jail free. All right, finally, the Shimon Omer Achla Perot Gemurim, way back on the Mishnah um, uh, that we're discussing, the Shimon had a minority opinion that said, if you, um, if the animal uh, eats, destroys ripe produce, then the owner has to pay for that ripe produce, and you do that evaluation directly. How much is that worth? And you do it directly, unlike the other methods where if it was uh, not ripe yet, then you, um, according to some opinions, you take the evaluation of the whole before and after, but that's only if it's unripe. But Abishimon says if it's ripe, then you pay for the tomatoes as they are, the grapes as they are. My tama, why? We way back we on that Mishnah we saw the derivation that says if uh, the animal goes and eats from another field and we learn from here that not only that someone else's field that's private property not public domain but we also learn that when we make the evaluate evaluation we compare it to another field if you had a parallel field that didn't have this damage, how much would that be worth in comparison to this field now that has the damage? But when do we do the evaluation based on the comparative field method? Only when you have unripe fruit that needs the field to continue to grow. So then, that's dependent on the sadeh. But ripe fruit, it may happen to still be on the field, it may still be connected to the ground, but it doesn't need the ground. It's not getting any more sustenance. It's ripe. It's just ready to be plucked. It'll fall off by itself um, if you wait. So therefore, since it's the same as being uh, fruit in a basket in the store, and so since it we since it doesn't need the 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 field, so then we don't apply ubeir bistei acher has nothing to do with the field. 
we evaluate it on its own. That's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Son of Chia says in the name of Rabbi Yirmiya, the son of Abba, that Rav may, uh, made a ruling like Rabbi Meir. We're going to see his opinion in right now. And he made a, a lachic decision as Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon that we just said. Even though these are both minority opinions, nevertheless, Rav went according to each of them. But they're talk, each talking about different things. Uh, what are they talking about? Dan Rav Kirbi Meir Detanya Katab Larishon Velo Hatmalo Lashini Vehatmalo Ibeda Ketubata Dibre Rabbi Meir Rabbi Uda Omer Yecholahi Shetomar Nachat Ruach Hasiti Lebaali Atem Ma Lachem Alai. So here's the following case where we have a Machlok Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Uda. It's talking about um, a woman who is owed a Ketuba, as all women who are married are. Now, um, uh, uh, the law is that a kitubah, the payment has, uh, that payment has a lien, the husband's uh, land is, is all leaned to pay the kitubah. Um, the kitubah comes first and she can go collect from land that he owns. Let's say this husband has two parcels of land. And now, um, uh, uh, in the meantime, before she collected her ketubah, he went and he wanted to sell the piece, the, these pieces of land. So let's say, katav uh, larishon, he wrote a document of sale to buyer A to, to sell land A. Now he, the husband, he can't just sell his land any time he wants. He has to get permission from his wife because his wife has a lien on the land. And so he goes to her and say, would you mind signing off on the sale so that I can make the sale final and you lose your lien on it? She refused to do so. She did not. So, but the, he, the, he, the sale went through anyway, but she would still retain the lien on the land. Maybe yes, or maybe not, because since there's still land B, so then she still has a, she she would collect from land B first, um, right? She may still have uh, have a, a lien on land A, but uh, at that point, if she he had to pay, um, you go with whatever land he currently has, and not land that he already sold. Now comes to land uh, land B, and there also he decided he wants to sell it to someone else. To person B, and he makes up a document and says, oh, "Wife, can you sign this? I want to sell land B." And here she did sign it. She agreed to to sign it. In such a case, according to Bimeir, she loses her kitubah altogether. Why? She can't collect from either one. She can't collect from A, even though she didn't sign it, because um, although she did not sign off on sale A, at the point of that sale, B was still in the hands of the owner. So the lien just transfers to B. And so B gets the gets priority of collection. However, then she agreed to the sale of B and she forewent her lien on it. So since she did that, now she cannot collect from B either. According to the Bimeir, she loses out totally. However, the Biuda says, not so. She can say, listen, when I signed off on B, I didn't really mean it. Just my husband was, you know, said, please, can you do this? Do me a favor. So I said, okay, I'll do something nice to my husband and I'll sign off on it. But I didn't really want to and I was never sincere about it. Um, so therefore, um, I did that. What claim do you have against me? She says to the purchasers, you have to give it to me back. Um, and now the Bimeir could answer back to the Bihuda, hold on. If she just wanted to be nice to her husband the second time, why wasn't she nice? the first time. You see from the fact that she didn't sign the first time, 
That means when she signed the second time, she did mean it. And once she does, she signs the second one, she loses access to all of them. But Rabbi Uda says, no, right? The fact that she didn't sign the first one means that she really doesn't want to give up a lien. And then he just pressured her more in the second one to give up the lien. She's fine, I'll sign it. But she never did it with intent. And therefore, she can, according to the Biuda, um, collect from the from the land. All right, that's the machloket. We bring it here because Rav uh, decided the halacha like Rabbi Meir in this case. Um, uh, but what's more relevant to us is pasak Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon Omer achla perot gemurin meshalemet perot gemurin im sea sea im sataim sataim. He decided the halacha like Rabbi Shimon, as we said in our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon says if uh, someone's animal comes and eats ripe fruit, even if it's still connected to the ground, you have to pay the full amount of the fruit uh, um, assessed directly. However much it is, a se'av produce, that much. If it ate two se'av produce, I'll have to pay the full amount, and I've decided halacha uh, in accordance with this opinion. The next Mishnah teaches Hamagdish Petoch Sedeh Chavero Shelo Brishut Vachalatan Behemto Shel Bala Sedeh Someone takes his produce and puts it in someone else's field without permission of the field owner. And in the meantime, the field owner's animal goes and eats that produce. In that case, the field owner is not liable because he says to the produce owner, who asked you to put your produce in my field? You put it in here so my animal can eat it and I don't have to pay you. And if the animal got injured by eating that produce, um, it didn't agree with its stomach, and so the produce now caused damage to the animal, the owner of the produce has to pay for the damage done to the animal. Again, because he put it there without permission, and so now it caused a problem to the field owner. The field owner says, you shouldn't have put it there. Now, being there, my animal went and 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 ate it. I don't have to be careful to make sure my animal doesn't eat stuff in my own field that you put there. So uh, the field, the owner of the grain is liable. However, if the uh, owner of the produce got permission, is hey, do you mind if I put? my grain over here in your field or my fruit and the owner of the field says yes that's fine uh, then um, if the if the field owner's animal goes and eats it uh, the field owner has to pay for that produce right by allowing him to store it in his field he is um, he is agreeing to make sure that his animals will not eat it now, it seems that this Mishnah is not the opinion of Rabbi Udanasi because Rabbi Udanasi says, just because I, say, I tell you you can put your produce in my field doesn't mean I'm going to watch it. It just means I'm not going to charge you for trespassing. Okay, you can put it in there, but I am not liable if my animals eat, eat, eat your produce until I explicitly say, I am not only can you put it here, I will watch it. I will safeguard it to make sure that nothing happens to it. Only then would I be liable if my animal eats it. So, but this Mishnah didn't say that. This Mishnah says, as soon as I say you're permitted to put it in my field, then already that implies I'm also going to watch it and make sure that my animals don't eat it. So, um, 
This must be not the opinion of Rabbi Udanasi. Amar Papa Hacha Benatar Be Dare Askinan Dekevanda Amar Le Ayel Ugdosh Ayel Entar Lach Hu. Papa says we can even reconcile this Mishnah with Rabbi Udanasi's opinion by assuming that the Mishnah is only talking about a specific case of the supervisor of the threshing floors. This guy. He, um, because he's a supervisor, he, when he says to the owner of the produce, yes, you can come in, um, so that, that does imply that I will supervise it for you, because he's the supervisor anyway, so this is expected that he is going to um, uh, take, care of this, uh, take care of the stuff. That's kind of uh, his part of his expected role that he does all the time. And therefore, implied in his words, yes, come and bring it in, is the fact that he will also watch it. That's the case that the Mishnah is talking about, that the owner of the field is liable. But if it was not a, a supervisor, just a regular person that says, yeah, you can bring it in here, a normal person, just because it says bring it in, does not accept upon themselves responsibility to watch it unless they say so explicitly. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.